0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, thank you. Glad to see you out. Sometimes you can tell when I've praised the Lord, my, my throat, my mouth, my voice gets a little froggy, so hang in here with me. It'll be okay. We'll make it. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up real high. I want you to see the Word of God. Ooh, so you can get a hold of this today. This is our third week on, on sticks and stones. And you say, well, where does that come from? Well, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Now, whoever said that, they were delusional, okay? That's so far from the truth. And so you begin to get an insight here of the power of words. The power of my words, the power of what you say out of your mouth. And so think about it this way with your words. You're either building bridges or you're blowing bridges up with the very words out of your mouth. Go with me today to Romans chapter 4. Thank you. Romans chapter 4. And if you were here the last couple of weeks, let me let me tell you the first week, our our main scripture text was Mark chapter 11. Verse 23, and it says, Whosoever shall say unto the mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea and not doubt in his heart, but believe those things he saith. He'll have whatever he says. And so the key there was i got to begin to speak to the mountains. I'm either speaking to the mountains or the mountains are speaking to me. Last week we talked about Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Better spoken, death and life are in the power of my tongue. And so let's go a little farther today and we'll get into this, and I believe God will speak to your heart. Verse number 16 of Romans 4. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace. Now, when we talk about the word faith, what are we really talking about? What do I believe? What do I trust? But faith has got to be based on the Word of God. Romans 10 17, actually, in this chapter right here, it says, or took a couple of chapters over. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So the more the Word of God I have, the more faith it builds. And faith come by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. So I never can hear too much of the Word of God. So it comes by hearing. So that the promise might be sure to all the seed. All the seed. Now listen to what he breaks down when he talks about all the seed. Not only to those who are the law or under the covenant of Moses but also those who are of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written. that's important that you see that right there. As it is written. The word of God is the, what we call the logos. The written word of God. And so when he begins to talk about this, what Father God is saying here, it's because it is written. And again, any time where you can find it's written, you can always tell the devil it's finished. Because the word of God, the written word, is my title deed. He goes on to say, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, he was talking to Abraham here. And when he said, I've made you a father of many nations, Abraham wasn't. But God still said that about him. In the presence of him whom he believed God, who gives life to the dead... And he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now, if you'll note here, this verse does not say God calls those things that are as though they do not exist. But rather, God calls those things which do not exist as though they did exist. And you know what that means literally to me? That's Mark eleven twenty three. 23. God began to speak to the mountain. And God calls those things that don't exist as they do. Now, Romans 11, 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Even though I cannot see that with the natural eye, I have a promise in the written word of God. I have a promise that this is what God said to me. So we look at two words this morning real quick. The logos means the written word of God. But for the written word of God to come alive, I must do the word called rhema. The word rhema means the spoken word. So this book right here, it is truth. But you know how it comes alive in your life and mine? When I start speaking it out of my mouth. When I begin to agree with what the word of God said. And I speak it and I say it and I say it. Now... To help us a little bit, I want us to look back in Genesis 1 this morning. And we want to see what Father God did. How God does things, and I believe we are to be imitators of God. And what you'll begin to see is God never did anything without first saying it. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, days 1, 2, and 3, God formed the earth. Days 4, 5, and 6, God filled the earth. And what did God do on the seventh day? Thank you. He rested. That's right. Verse 2. The earth was without form and void and darkness on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, this is an interesting verse to me. If you'll note who was hovering over the the waters, he said the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been around a long, long, long time. And when you look at this in in the passage here, the Holy Spirit had a huge part to do with creation. I believe in the Holy Spirit, okay? Not just theologically, I don't want to say, oh, we believe in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I believe it's high time the church recognize it and not be ashamed of the Holy Spirit, but not only talk about the Holy Spirit, encourage for people to be filled with the Spirit. Zechariah prophesied in Zechariah 4, 6, he said, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Spirit of God. He said in Romans 14, 16, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, that's not this morning. I better quit. You need to come Wednesday night. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Just see the point here, man. We've got to have the Holy Spirit. Okay, keep reading. Then God said, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, there wasn't light until God spoke light. And if you'll think about what he just said and did, He literally did Romans 4.17. He called light that be not as though it was. And in ten different times in Genesis 1, it says, and God said. And God said. It didn't say, and God snapped his fingers and there it was. It said, and God spoke light and there was light. I believe in the Big Bang Theory. God said, let there be, and bang, there it was. So God is the creator, and when you take this passage here, you realize that he literally spoke into existence this earth. Same chapter, verse 26. Then God said, wow, there he goes again. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. That's two interesting statements right there. We are made in the image of God, and we're made in the likeness of God. So if I'm made in the image of God, and I'm made in the likeness of God, wouldn't it be appropriate for me to do the things that God does? And God said. He goes on and keeps saying, he says, I've given them dominion over the fish, over the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over all the creeps. Kind of like that. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, now pay close attention how God blessed them. And God blessed them and God said to them. And so when God blessed us, he said to us, be fruitful and multiply, have dominion. So the way that I get into the blessings of God, I begin to say over myself what God said. If God said I blessed them and said be fruitful and multiply, then I might as well get in agreement with it. I might as well start saying that and I might as well start believing God because again, I'm made in the image of God. Turn a page to Genesis chapter 2. Verse number 7. Now this is the only passage I'm going to read in this chapter here. Genesis 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So he created this man named Adam from the dust of the earth, and then God literally breathes life into him, and he becomes a living being. Why is that so important? The literal translation in the Hebrew, where it says man became a living being, it literally says that he became a speaking spirit. Interesting. God's crowning act of creation, mankind, became a spirit that speaks. Cows moo and the birds chirp. The bear growls, but mankind speaks. And God didn't just give us the ability to speak, to communicate. Think about some of the purposes that God gives me and you the ability to speak. I speak as a free will being. I speak what I choose to speak. How do you get born again? You don't raise your hand and wave at God. Romans 10, 8, 9, and 10 says, You believe with the heart and you confess with the mouth. So part of getting born again, I have to surrender my will to God and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. How do you get married? You don't sit there with eye contacts and just ooh at each other with your eyes. No, when you get married, you do these things called vows. You speak out of your mouth words that form your spiritual contract between each other. For better or worse, for thicker or thinner, for uglier or prettier, whatever you said, okay? I don't know that you said any of those, but there you go. But again, the power of words. And so right here, God says, you are a spirit that speaks. So when it pertains to the Word of God, I'm to speak the Word of God. Now, how does that look? Well, turn over a couple of books to Joshua chapter 1. You'll keep going Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and you'll go right into Joshua 1. Now, in this passage here, this man named Joshua, man, he, he's in an incredible predicament right now. Moses is dead. And Joshua was now the man; he's in charge, and God has informed Joshua, "You're going to move us right on into the Promised Land." Now, remember, God had told them to go to the land that flows with milk and honey, but they didn't go in. They had wandered around in the desert for forty years, and so in chapter one, on four occasions, the Lord says to Joshua, "Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage." Now, watch what is done here in verse eight, Joshua 1, verse eight, "This book of the law, the word of God, shall not depart from your mouth." Now this was God's instruction to, to old Joshua. He said, "The book of the law, the word of it can't depart out of your mouth. You've got to keep it in your mouth. And when I think about the areas where he said strong and be in good courage, it was if the Lord was saying, listen, buddy, when you get into difficult times, speak out of your mouth. I'm strong. How am I strong? Ephesians six ten 10 says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. I'm strong in you. Remind yourself out of your mouth. And when it talks about be of good courage, it's if he said in, in, in Revelations 12, 11, you're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. You keep speaking. I'm strong in the Lord. I'm a good courage. I can do this because God says I can. So he said, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But you, you shall meditate. The word meditate right here means to active recite, to respeak again. And again, and again, and again. So he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it. What shall I meditate in it? On the word of God, day by day by day, night and day, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Now it's interesting, he didn't say, start doing the word and then speak about it and tell about it. He said, Begin to speak the word. And when I speak the word, I will literally begin to gravitate toward the things that I started speaking. So the key is, start speaking the word. Start speaking the word. I'm going to do the word. I'm going to obey the word. Now get ready. Keep reading. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, for then, for what's the then? Then. After I've spoken the word, after I've meditated on the word, and after I've done the word, for then you, you, it didn't say God, it said for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Do you want to prosper in life and you want to have good success? Hook up to the word of God begin to get in agreement with the Word of God out of your mouth and make it be the rhema, the spoken word. Well, pastor, it just won't work for me. You're right. It won't. Not because of the Word, but because of your mouth. Again, I highlight verse 8, and this goes for every one of us in this room then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. So the difference in prospering and have good success is, do I get a hold of the Word of God? Do I start living the Word of God? Now go with me to the book of Mark, chapter 4. Speak the Word to the mountains of your life. Learn to agree with not just the Word of God, but learn to agree with even Jesus' words. You know, Jesus is the one who said there in Revelations 12, 11, You overcome by the blood of the Lamb. If Jesus said, I overcome by the blood of the Lamb, I might as well start speaking that. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. That's just getting in agreement with what the Word said. But pastor, I don't feel like an overcomer. Listen, he didn't say if you felt like it. I speak by faith. Mark chapter 4, verse 33. And with many such parables, he, Jesus, spoke the word to them. He spoke the word. Jesus right here understood the significance of the word of God. As they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, I want you to really zoom in on verse 35. Red letter words, what did Jesus say? Let us cross over to the other side. Anytime you want to cross over to the other side, you're going to have to learn to live by faith. You're going to have to learn to trust Jesus. So let's see what we can learn from this today. Verse 36. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in a boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Now you can stop right there and just think about this. I wonder if the disciples said, wait just a minute. He didn't say nothing about getting into a storm. He didn't warn us about that the storm would be so bad that the boat would begin to overflow with water. I thought as a Christian, life would be easy and life would be a smooth sailing. But when you think about going over to the other side, there's really three parts of it. The beginning of the trip, the middle of the trip, and the end of the trip. And it's very apparent here, the disciples weren't as excited in the middle of the trip as they were as the beginning. Why? Because oftentimes, this journey called faith, you find out what you're believing in the middle. Because there's storms, there's trials... And there's tests. And understand this. The only time you find out what you really believe, what's really on the inside of you, is in you're in a storm of life. And some of you say, that's me. I'm in a storm of life. But oftentimes, people quit in the middle. They quit in the storms of life, and they go back to the bank where they were, and they begin to say, the Word of God didn't work. No, no. The Word of God will work. You chose to quit agreeing with it. You chose to not say what Jesus said. And so think about this in your life. Jesus says, you're going to the other side. When I get into the middle of the storm and life is caving in on me, I come back and I say, but Jesus said, but Jesus said, I'm going to the other side. And I hold fast on that. Last week, Hebrews 10, 23, it says, Hold fast the confession of faith. Hold on to it and say, you know what? I'm not letting go until I get to the other side. How long will that be? I don't know. He just said, we're going to the other side. Now watch what happens in verse 38. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the pillow. And the disciples looked at him and said, We're all losing it. And he's asleep on the pillow. Why do you think Jesus was asleep on the pillow? You know what the answer to that verse is? Verse 35 He said, We're going to the other side. And when Jesus says we're going to the other side, he means we're going to the other side. So Jesus had already told them what was going to happen. So he said, if we're going to the other side, I might as well take a little siesta because we're going to the other side. But they don't get it. They're looking like, duh, Jesus. Keep reading. He's asleep on the pillow. And they awoke him and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? You know what that is? That's a false assumption of Jesus. To assume that Jesus' desire for them was to perish. Jesus, do you not see? We're all getting ready to drown. We're all getting ready to die. Jesus never said that, guys. And so, so many times, when life begins to cave in on us, we either grab a hold of the Word of God... And that becomes my life jacket, or I begin to go to the other side, or I accuse Jesus of dropping the ball. But Jesus doesn't drop the ball. Keep reading. Then he arose, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. The power of spoken word. And a lot of people right here would say, well, that's the Son of God. Remember, when Jesus came to the earth, He came as the Son of Man. Jesus is informing me the power of words. If you'll note there, Jesus didn't look at him and say, boys, you better get a life jacket. It's getting ready to get bad. No. He specifically said, peace, be still. Now keep reading. But He said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now think about his words there. How is it that you have no faith? How is it that you quit believing what I told you was going to happen? Now remember when we talk about faith. I believe with my heart and I confess with my mouth. And in this situation, Jesus said, How do you boys not have any faith? I told you we were going to the other side. And so then again, the the truth in this whole thing is, I've got to learn to believe the Word of God. I've got to learn to believe what Jesus said. That takes a a discipline. It takes self-control to learn to say and speak exactly what Jesus said. To cooperate with God is to speak what God says. Remember, then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. Don't curse your future with the words of your mouth. Too many times we sabotage our faith when the question is, can I hold on to the Word of God? Do I hold on to the Word of God? Do I continually speak the Word of God? Look into Revelations 19. I want you to see this. Revelations chapter 19. You know, I heard the man of God say years ago, one of the worst things that can ever happen to a human being is they have life handed to them on a platter because they never get the opportunity to believe God. One of the greatest things God gives me in you is the opportunity to believe Him. And the day will come when every one of us in this room will have to believe him. I don't care who you are. There will come a day that money won't buy it out. Things won't answer it. Another human being won't satisfy. There'll come a day. The problem with this thing called faith is when I need faith but I don't have faith, a lot of times it's too late to get faith. What do you mean? What if you're on a boat and it begins to sink? You need a life jacket. But at that very moment, you can't get off that boat and go to Walmart and buy a life jacket. It's too late. You didn't plan. It's the same with faith. So again, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then I speak the word of God out of my faith. I begin to release it out of my mouth. Revelations 19, verse 11. Now I saw heaven open and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and he makes war. That's talking about Jesus. Jesus doesn't make war here on earth, guys. Jesus makes war in the heavenlies. And it's never aimed at people. It's aimed at the devil. You know what I believe right now? I believe the devil is awfully nervous. He knows his time is very short here. And I would be nervous too if you look at the next verse that describes Jesus. Verse 12. His eyes were a flame of fire, Woo. and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no one knew except himself. And he was clothed with a robe, dipped in the blood, and his name is called the Word of God. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.19, Jesus said basically, I am the Word, or the Word became life through Jesus. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth, out of Jesus' mouth, goes a sharp sword. The literal translation here says, it goes out of his mouth a sharp two-edged sword. When it references the sharp two-edged sword, it is saying out of Jesus' mouth, goes the Word of God. How do you know that? Turn to Hebrews 4. Hebrews chapter 4. So as you're turning there, why is the Word of God that goes out of Jesus' mouth so important? So important. Hebrews 4, 12. Now listen real close to this. And this should put the icing on the cake today to tell you the significance of speaking the Word of God. Verse 12. For the word of God is living. The word of God is alive. And powerful. And that word powerful there, it it denotes something that's at work. It's active. It's effective. It's energizing. That the word of God is alive and it's powerful and look at the next part. And it's sharper Than any two-edged sword. So when I begin to speak the word of God out of my mouth, it's alive. When I speak the word of God out of my mouth, it's powerful. It's a two-edged sword. It divides the soul and the spirit. And something happens when God's creation, mankind, begins to speak the word out of his mouth. Out of your mouth. Over and over and over. If it doesn't agree with the word of God, don't say it. Don't sow this. Don't sow those things or say those things. Now, for the rest of the morning, I'm going to give you a couple of illustrations that'll help you, I believe. And usually, when I give illustrations, I use my own self. I, I want you to think about this in my life. I'm, I'm roughly 20 years old. I got a huge problem with alcohol. Huge. Now, you fill in the blank. What area of your life do you have a huge problem with? It may look different than your... I'm reading in the Word of God. This is Colossians 1, verse 12, 13, and 14. It says in Colossians 1 that Jesus has made me a partaker of the inheritance in light. So when I receive Jesus as Lord of my life, He's qualified me to be a partaker. You know what that means? I can't do it on my own. That's why Jesus came for every one of So Jesus qualified me. So you know what he said? I've qualified to you to be a partaker of light, of your inheritance. I've got an inheritance. You've got an inheritance when you get born again. The problem with our inheritance as believers, a lot of times we don't know what it is. If, if Paul left me an inheritance of a million dollars, thank you, Paul, I appreciate it. But I didn't know that he had left me that. I couldn't spend it. So what you got to do is you got to begin to dig into the Bible to find out what the Word of God says you can have, you can be, and you can do. And so in Colossians 1.13, part of my inheritance, it said, He's delivered me, or us, out of the power of darkness. Now when I read that, I begin to look, okay, in my life, what's the darkness? The darkness of my life at that time was alcohol. So I would say, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've delivered me out of the power of alcohol. So all I've done is I've agreed with what the B-I-B-L-E said. The logos, the written word. And for it to come alive, I speak it. I, I thank you, Lord Jesus. And some of you said, and it happened overnight. Not. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, 23, he said, speak to the mountain. When you talk about a mountain, he didn't say a molehill. He said a mountain. It took a while for that mountain to get there. So understand, every time you speak the word of God to the mountain in your life, it's like you have a big old backhoe, and that backhoe is beginning to rip that mountain apart. And it's bite by bite. And so think about this. Get this image today. Every time you speak the word of God to that mountain, whatever in your life it is, it's like it's taking a big old chunk out of it. Oh, pastor, it's not working. It's working. It's working. I just got to keep speaking. Remember, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But you'll speak it day and night. You'll recite it day and night. Day by day by day by day by day. And at first, you might not know the scripture by heart. You get three by five cards. You put that before you and you get up and you look at yourself in the mirror. And I say, thank you, Lord, just lust doesn't dominate me no more. I thank you, Lord Jesus, right now that you delivered me from the power of pornography. You delivered me from the power of drugs. You delivered me from anger. Whatever it is. And you keep speaking and you keep speaking. And understand this today. The Word of God is still powerful. Understand this today. The name of Jesus is still the name above all. The issue isn't the word, and the issue isn't Jesus. The issue was what Jesus said to the disciples in Mark 4:40 when he said, where's your faith at, boys? You know what he means when he says, where's your faith at? Come on, hook up with me. Come on, get into agreement with what I've said, and not only get into agreement with what I've said, get into agreement with what I've already done for you. You've got to begin to believe this. You've got to begin to stand. So I stand on the word. I stand on the word. And you know what you see right now? You see a walking, living, breathing person that Jesus set free. I'm not dominated by alcohol. What was the difference? I just begin to speak the Word of God and I begin to believe it. And I begin to act like it's true. And you, he set me free, He'll set you free. Now, here's your homework assignment. Some of you say, we have homework? Yep. I'm not going to grade your paper. (laughs) Actually, you're going to grade your paper. So let's just pretend today that these doors open and Jesus comes walking in. And Jesus comes right here on this platform and he looks at every one of us in this room and he says, from this day forward, I'm going to grant to you everything you say exactly as you say it. Would that change the way you said things? Some of you would say, Pastor, that just kills me. See, again, it comes to this, that if, if my words are as powerful as the Bible says, it, not what Pastor says, guys, I'm just a man, okay? But if my words are powerful, as Jesus says, life and death are in the power of the tongue, then i got to watch what I'm saying. Just like in the video. Those are people in our church. Just like me and you. And it's very easy to get in a flow where we say negative. I can't, but Jesus said I can't. See, again, it's coming to discipline my life, my heart, and say, this is what the Bible said. And some of you are in a place in your life right now where you're literally trying to cross over to the other side, and sometimes you get out there halfway, and then you start saying, it's too hard. I can't. You can. God wants to help you. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit FaithChurchLubbock.com.